The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, hey, some of you will have heard this story before, but it's so embarrassing that I don't think you'll mind hearing it like once every 10 years or so, right? Um, When I was about 12 years old, um, I went shopping with my sister and her friend. They were, I think, 16, 17 years old. She was older. I grew up kind of in the sticks of Nebraska, so York was the, the, the town that you drove to 40 minutes away or so to, to do your shopping. And before Walmart and Target dominated the giant you know, retail scene, there was another store in that mix called Pomida. Anybody remember Pomida? All right, you probably have cassette tapes somewhere in your basement as well. That's great. Um, so Pomida is where we're headed. I don't remember why we're going to Pomida, but we're on the way there, and I'm in the back seat of my sister's white Pontiac Grand Prix, and um, I overhear her and her friend in the front seat talking about shoplifting and uh, how they were going to do it. And so they, you know, they were just going to get some lipsticks or some other makeup products that I don't know the names of, and, and tuck them into their purses. And, and I remember thinking, that sounds so easy. That, that sounds so good. You know, there, there's, it sounded easy, appealing, it was enticing. And, and I thought to myself, I want something for nothing too. And so we get to Pomida, and I'm walking around in Pomida. I remember actually walking around Pomida, having the thought, there's really nothing in here that I want. <laughs> I mean, they had all kinds of stuff. I just like, maybe it was, maybe it was something internal and saying like, is anything really worth it, what you're about to try to do? And I make my way over to the CDs. Now, CDs, millennials, are these things that they used to put music on, all right? And it was this disc thing, you put it in and it played. Um, I'm over by the CDs, and even in the CD section, I remember thinking, I don't know, is there really any albums here? That an album is a thing with multiple songs on it, not just one that you play at a time. Is there any here that I really want? And I came across this one, it just came out, and it was Michael Jackson's Dangerous album, ironically titled, right? And um, maybe you remember the time and, you know, the black and white song, that was, that was 1992 probably. And so I take this Michael Jackson Dangerous album and I walk to a different part of the store, which I think is this discreet location in the store, and I stuff it in my pants. And I find my sister and her friend, I don't know if they stuff stuff in their purse or whatever, they pay for something, and we walk out to the parking lot, and as my foot hits the parking lot, I hear this voice behind me, excuse me, son. Are you planning to pay for that? And the next thing that happened was a warming sensation (laughs) traveling down my leg. This is the embarrassing part, just in case you're wondering. I peed my pants in the parking lot of Pomida. They take me back inside. I have to go into the security office. The security guard, they call the police. There's a policeman there now. And they call my parents. I'm not completely certain about this. I need to ask my dad this. I'm pretty sure my dad said, hey, could you put him in a cop car and actually like take him downtown? Because they did right? For, for Michael Jackson's CD. So I'm downtown now, and my parents come up. There's a whole big deal. But the reason I tell you this story, this embarrassing story, is because it actually illustrates our passage really, really well today. Um, this summer, we're spending the summer working through the, the first nine chapters in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, this book of wisdom. It, it's about skillful living, we said last week. Wisdom is about growing competent with the, re, with the realities of life, 
It's reality-based counseling, I heard someone say. That's Proverbs. And if you missed last week, or if you're new to Two Pillars today, maybe jump online, get the podcast, or, or the, on the website, get last week, because we laid some foundational work last week for what Proverbs is and what it isn't, okay? Um, what's the goal of Proverbs we talked about, and the key to Proverbs. All that's really important as we spend time in this book together this summer, and we're looking at the first nine chapters, which really are like preparation, okay, for engaging the rest of the book of Proverbs, I hope you'll take the opportunity this summer to actually do that, to engage more fully in the rest of Proverbs. That's one of the goals of this series, to motivate you deeply, to dig more deeply into this book. Well, this morning, as we work towards that goal, we're in the middle of chapter one, and what we're going to see this morning is the beauty of wisdom. The beauty of wisdom. Wisdom beautifies. And we'll look at this under three headings from the text. Number one, wisdom is offered to you. It's offered to you here. Number two, wisdom warns and counsels you. And number three, wisdom will guide you. It'll guide you. Now, right away as we look at this text together, we see a familiar address. It's the address of a father to his son. And this is very common in the book of Proverbs, especially in these first nine chapters. I've counted 15 times that this address shows up in Proverbs 1 through 9. And the first one is here in chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, this is God's word here, all right? And God is speaking to us through the voice of a father counseling his son. It's the voice of a wise father instructing his son, saying to him lovingly, gently, yet directly, listen to me. I've got some things to tell you about how the world works. In verse 8, we also see that it's not just the father who takes on this responsibility in the home. It's, it's the mother to forsake not your mother's teaching. To, to forsake here is to leave something unattended, un, uncared for. Don't do that with your mother's teaching, Proverbs says. Tend to it. Now listen, in this room... Um, we have people from a lot of different family backgrounds and a lot of different family experiences. Uh, for some of you, this sort of thing was, was normal growing up. Praise God. Right? You, you had lovely, loving and, and, and godly parents in your life, maybe even godly grandparents in your life for generations who, who offered wisdom to you. Biblical, godly wisdom. You could see it in their lives. They were wise. They spoke wise to you. They spoke wisdom to you. And you listened and, it, and even helped you grow in wisdom. Most of us in here aspire to be that kind of parent or grandparent ourselves. Now listen, this isn't always the case, but if that was you, there, there, there very may well be a tendency in you. I've seen it in a lot of people um, who actually grew up in Christian homes to look around the world and, and to see people in it and, and some of the decisions and the choices that they make, and even just some of the life circumstances that they find themselves in, and, and for you to think, what a bunch of morons. <laughs> you know, if they'd, if they'd only done it the, the right way, like me. <laughs> See, there can be a tendency towards pride in us. Now, others in the room, your parents were actually a hot mess, and they might still be, right? Um, and what you learned growing up is how to figure out things on your own mostly. 
And you, you found yourself, perhaps, and I know this to be true, exactly true for some of you in here. You grew up having to parent your parents. And you still are. They weren't emotionally mature. They weren't secure. They, they were so busy trying to figure out who they were that they weren't able to help you figure out who you are. They didn't have wisdom to give, or if they did, they didn't give it. Now, if that was you, listen, there, there very may well be a tendency in you, not towards pride, but towards pity, self-pity. Wow, you think. <laughs> I really wish I had parents who were mature and godly and wise and who loved me enough to guide me into that too. Instead, I am such a failure. And I probably will always be one. Listen, wherever you're at on that spectrum, hmm? The extremes are somewhere in between. We all, all of us today, get to take on the role of the son, even if you're a daughter. We get to step into the book of Proverbs. We need to, even if we already have some wisdom. Remember verse 5 last week? Let the, let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands continue to, to obtain guidance. We get to step into the book of Proverbs today. And hear our perfect heavenly father speak to us through his word and address us lovingly, gently, yet directly. He says to you today, listen to me. I've got some things to tell you about how the world works. Hear my instruction. Don't forsake the teachings. Tend to them. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Well, a graceful garland is like a victor's wreath. Okay, in Proverbs 4, verse 9, it's equated with a beautiful crown. Remember last week we said that, that um, wisdom is the grace of Christ beautifying our daily lives. That's the sense here. See, God isn't just interested in us being right or doing right. He wants you to be wise. He wants you to live with wisdom. And when you do, it's beautiful. We miss that in Christianity sometimes. We can get so set on being right and knowing the right right doctrines and, and doing the right, right things and avoiding all the right, wrong things. But you can know all the right doctrines, do all the right things, and still be very ugly about it. You know any Christians who are jerks? I've met a few. Why are they jerks? Why are they Christian jerks? Well, because they're not wise. I'm sure they think they are, but there isn't a graceful garland. Something is still missing. The grace of Christ isn't beautifying their daily lives. Wise Christians are beautiful. They're attractive. In this sense, others are drawn towards Christ by them, not repelled away from Christ by them. Our city needs more wise Christians. So hear, my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland around your head and pendants for your neck. Now, when you hear pendants, think necklace, but not just in a beautifying, sort of decorative sense like the garland. Think more like a gold medal. Um, it's summer track season in the Bumgarner house, all right? And um, 
Our second oldest was in a, a few weeks ago, and she placed first in her age division in the 100-meter hurdles, uh, humble brag, and, and she got a gold medal. She got a gold medal, right? Now, think about a gold medal. Um, it's a mark of prestige, isn't it? it? As it is placed around your neck, and as you wear it, it does two things at once. It presents you delightfully outstanding to those around you. Others notice that. And simultaneously, it's something to cherish and value for yourself. That's a gold medal. And wisdom is like that. It beautifies your life like a graceful garland, and it presents you delightfully outstanding to others, like a pendant. It's attractive. Wisdom is. People can tell. Listen, you know people in your life who are wise, and you're drawn to them, aren't you? And as someone who is wise, who is growing even more wise, wisdom is also to be something that you cherish and value for yourself. And the whole point of the first nine chapters of Proverbs, it's the point of the first two verses in our passage today, is that this kind of wisdom is offered to you. It's offered to you. Starting in verse 10 then in our text, we get some specifics, okay? Solomon here takes up a very specific scenario and he, he elaborates it all out for us to help us to know what wisdom looks like in this particular scenario, right? And if we're careful, if we're thoughtful and reflective and we slow down and, and, and contemplate a little bit, we can actually extrapolate the wisdom here from this very specific scenario into other scenarios in our life. We can grow wise, Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us shoplift at Pomida. Oh, wait, that's my... If, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods and we shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We'll all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Like, this, is the, this is the warning here, okay? Wisdom warns us. And verse 10 is a short summary of it. If sinners entice you. Now, we're all sinners, okay? We know this, right? We, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We know that from Romans chapter 3. And none of us is counted righteous except through faith in Jesus Christ. But what is meant here are those who walk in habitual sin. Unrepentant sin. It's those for who sinning is just the way of life. We might call them non-Christians or more broadly, the world. And the warning is if you're enticed, if you're tempted in this way, do not consent. Do not yield. Now, we're all tempted in all kinds of ways every day, aren't we? I mean, sin is tempting. It's one of its features, okay? Um, it promises satisfaction. That's what sin does. It makes bad things look good. Sin is always recruiting and, and always promising to deliver. It's like, a, it's like a giant NIL deal with your name on it, okay? And, and the particular temptation addressed here is the temptation towards dishonest or unjust gain. You see that summarized down at the end of verse 19, and it's what all of verses 11 through 14 are fleshing out. 
Join in, the sinners say. Come on. You're not afraid, are you? Let's lie and wait for blood. Let's ambush the innocent without reason. Let's swallow them alive and take all their stuff. Here's what he's saying. Let's attack some random, innocent people, kill them, and take all, of their, all their stuff that's of value and we'll be rich. Right? Come on, join in. We'll do it together. Everyone's doing it. We'll make a killing. We'll split it. What are you, a chicken? It'll be easy. Easy money. Easy loot. Easy gain. And you're going to be tempted to think, okay, like a little 12-year-old boy in the back of his big sister's Grand Prix, I want something for nothing too. Now, hopefully, you're probably thinking, at least I hope you are, oh boy, I'd never be tempted to shoplift like that. You know, I, I, let alone join a gang and kill some people and steal all our stuff, okay? Um, but, but, don't forget the summary. The, the moral of the proverb down here, if you, if you will, it's addressing broadly verse 19, everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. Everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. And if we'll just turn that over a few times in our hearts, in our minds, we can start to take this warning that wisdom offers us here and see it apply to other areas of life too. You know, just a little tweak on the old tax doc, you know? Um, no one will notice. I just, I won't report everything that, that I earn. Lots of people are doing it, you know? No one's going to, what could it hurt? Or fudging my hours just a little bit at work, you know? Just, you know, I said I, said I worked eight hours, but really I worked seven. I'm actually going to pad that up to nine just so I can get, a, you know, a few extra bucks this week. Um, skating out early, <laughs> Just, just a little cheating on that exam. Others are getting away with it. It'd be so easy. It'd be so, it'd be so nice to not have to study. Or take it to a larger scale. You know, taking a, taking a job with an employer who pays so incredibly well and yet is known for absolutely exploiting this labor force. Or for its vast disregard for local economies or to save a buck, uh, you know, the, putting the company's success at the expense of justice. Or, or take it to a more inward level. This is what we can do with the Proverbs. Right? We can turn them over in our heads and our hearts. We can apply them to other areas and extract the wisdom, right? Take it to a, a more inward level. Desiring or, or wanting something else um, that, that is someone else's. It's not yours. Craving it for yourself. Something that you don't deserve. Something that you're not entitled to. Devising. Fantasizing in your head how to get it. Even if it's only fantasy. <laughs> the, the attention of others. The, the approval, the, the applause from others. People do this on social media all the time. Post, posturing, imposing some, some great and fantastic life where reality is extremely different. Why? To garner praise, to garner likes in order to feel better about yourself. It's greedy for unjust gain. Satisfying your appetites in various ways through various means, perhaps using sinful means to, to fill a sense of loneliness or alleviate stress in your life or to just... Escape. It's greedy for unjust gain. Emotionally manipulating someone. A spouse, a child, a friend. Using a position of power or authority to strong arm someone to get them to do what you want them to do. An employee, a subordinate, a church member, a ministry partner. These are all ways of being greedy for unjust gain. And if we know our own hearts well enough, we know it's enticing. It's enticing. 
We want something for nothing too. Do not consent, Proverbs says. Do not consent, my son. Do do you hear the loving, yet gentle and, and direct voice of your Father in heaven? My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. That's the warning. Here comes the counsel. The reason starts in verse 16. For, do you see the for? My son whom I love, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from from their path. Why? For or because their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. Like they're, they're running in the wrong and really dangerous direction, and it's evil. By their own admission, verse 11, let us ambush the innocent. Right, there's an acknowledgement of morality even in their immorality. Those to be attacked, those to be leveraged for unjust gain are described here as innocent. Surely we can see this isn't the, the dealing in righteousness and justice and equity that we saw last week in Proverbs 1 verse 3. It's the opposite of all of that. It's wrong. It's evil. But it's more than evil. It's more than wrong. And, and this, is, this is important for us to grasp in, in a world where everyone is wise in their own eyes. We don't have a shared common morality. Loads of people around us are living lives greedy for dishonest gains, steeped in subjective morality where what's right for you is right for you and what's right for me is right for me. And don't you dare tell me what's wrong for you because that wouldn't be right. That'd be wrong. And it's into this world of subjective morality of ours that the Bible speaks up and says loud and clear, living a life that is greedy for unjust gain, it's not just wrong, it's foolish. It's stupid. Dumb. Why? Verse 17. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush, an ambush for their own lives. Now, what's being contrasted here is the God-given wisdom of birds to evade capture by net with the foolishness of the enticing sinners, those greedy for dishonest gain, who have actually fallen prey to their own evil trappings. Be like the bird, son. Wise. Flee the trap. That's the Father's counsel. Not only is it evil, wrong, to live as greedy for unjust gain, it's foolish. And this kind of foolishness will actually destroy you. Look at verse 19. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. See, it's it's not just foolish because you might get caught, though you might. Um, It's foolish because it'll take away your life. Now, how's that? Well, think about it. I mean, we ask, right? How's it going to take away my life? I mean, if I just... What's the big deal if I step on a few people on my way to the top? Hmm? Um, yeah, everyone's not going to love it. I'll make a few enemies, but big deal. You got to, you know, what do they say? Crack some eggs to make an omelet or something like that, right? I mean, so what if I cheat a little bit on my taxes or, or my spouse or, or my time card or my test? Sure, I might get into a little bit of trouble, but it's not going to kill me. It's not going to destroy me. 
Sounds an awful lot like the serpent in the garden, Genesis 3, doesn't it? You will not surely die, but you will. In fact, we all will. We will all die. And when we do, we'll face our maker. This is the context that the book of Proverbs assumes. Remember, we're, 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 actually, we're actually reading the Bible here. This is the, this is the word of God. Proverbs doesn't exist merely as some separate book of Jesus tweets that could be easily found on your Twitter feed, all right? This is the Bible. This is the Bible. Proverbs assumes there is one God. It assumes that his name is Yahweh. It assumes that he is our maker, that he created the world to be ordered, that morality is not subjective. There's evil and there's good. There's right and they're wrong. And your sin will catch up to you. Your sin will find you out. You're not getting away with anything. No one is. Justice, like, justice always catches up with those who are greedy for unjust gain. Justice always catches up with injustice. If not in this life, it will when you die or when Jesus returns and you have to stand before him. This is why we need Jesus. We need him to cleanse us from all of our sin, to forgive all of our fantasies and actual carryings out of being greedy for dishonest gain. But listen, the rest of the Bible can tell you that. The rest of the Bible does tell you that. See, see, the law says, don't be greedy for unjust gain, don't steal, don't covet, it's wrong and you'll be judged. That's all true. And yet Proverbs takes a different approach. It's wisdom literature. And, and while the law says, don't do it because it's wrong, wisdom says, don't do it because it'll take away your life. See, Proverbs is not all about right and wrong in, in a sin and judgment kind of way though it certainly presupposes all of that. Proverbs instead wants us as sons, those being nurtured and tutored by the Father to grow in wisdom, to walk in the ways of wisdom. And so Proverbs says there's two ways. And wisdom, wisdom from God, guides us. It'll guide you in the right way. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but the word way has shown up twice in our text today so far. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. And verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Here we have the word of God in the voice of the loving father speaking to us in the role of son and saying, there's two ways. Two ways to live, two ways to go. There's the way of evil and foolishness. It's the way of being greedy for dishonest gain. And it leads to death. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus asked in Mark chapter 8. It was a rhetorical question, wasn't it? And the answer, of course, it profits nothing. There's no profit there. To gain the whole world and forefoot your soul, there's nothing there. I mean, have you lived long enough? Have you lived long enough to realize that nothing in this life will truly, fully satisfy you? Have you figured that out yet? I mean, even when you get that thing or that relationship or that job that you that you really, really wanted, you wanted it so bad you do anything to get it, even maybe some unjust things. And then you do and you realize, 
didn't quite fill the hole. Didn't quite fill the hole. Or, or, you know, it's great and all. Maybe it filled it for a bit. But then it all leaked out somehow. And I'm not fully satisfied. I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still not fulfilled. Living a life that is greedy for unjust gain is like that, Proverbs says. Why? Because it'll never satisfy. Now, sure, it'll kill you on Judgment Day if you don't repent and trust in Jesus, but it'll kill you a thousand times before that, too. It's empty. But there's another way. So way number one is the way of evil and foolishness. Way number two is the way of wisdom. Way number one, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Remember verse seven from last week? Way number two, don't despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. It's the other way. It's the way characterized by the fear of the Lord if we see the connection between verse 7 from last week and our text here today. Remember from last week we said this is the key. The fear of the Lord is. And last week we said the fear of the Lord is about a relationship. Not fear as in being afraid of God, this negative sense of fear, but having a positive fear because we're fully accepted before him. Because of Jesus. Again, fully present before him, fully accepted, and yet having a a holy and reverent awe as we stand and live our life before him, walking in accordance with his way, with how he's ordered things to work, and how he designed and, and, and desires us, his creation, to live. It's not a way marked by terrified fear, obey or else. That was taken care of by Jesus on the cross. There's no condemnation now. No, you can live a life pleasing to God, motivated by something completely different now as a Christian. Way number one, the foolish way. It sets an ambush for your own life. It'll kill you over and over. It'll never satisfy. It's like sticking Michael Jackson CDs in your pants that you don't even really want. Way number two, the way of wisdom. In contrast, a graceful garland for your head and a pendant for your neck. Ah, oh, the beauty of wisdom. See? Remember the garland and the pendant? There's something beautiful about this other way of life. There's something beautiful about a person who is so radically secure in their relationship with, the, with God Right? Not, with the, not with the negative fear anymore, but the positive fear of God, so secure in their relationship with, with him that they know, they know they have everything they truly need in him. Satisfied in him. They're not greedy for dishonest gain. <laughs> They're barely greedy at all. They got everything they ultimately need. And, and when you've got that, When you live as someone who's got that, it's like a beautiful garland on your head. It's also delightfully outstanding. You'll stand out in this world. It's a pendant. Not one that you put on yourself. It's placed upon you by others. A gold medal that doesn't doesn't puff you up in pride. You didn't put it on yourself. And yet it is still something that you can cherish and value for yourself. It defeats self-pity. Listen, don't you want that? (laughs) We all do. And it's offered to you. Wisdom is. The different way. 
We say, oh, how? Well, through Jesus. Through Jesus. Do you remember in John 14 where Jesus is telling his disciples, in my Father's house there's many rooms. I'm going to go there. I'm going to make a room for you. He doesn't stop there, though, does he? He says, I'm going to come back for you. I'm going to take you there with me, and we'll live together there. And Thomas asks, how can we know the way? How does Jesus respond? I am the way. I'm the way. And the truth and the life. Jesus is the way. Last week we said Jesus, he's wisdom himself. He's wisdom incarnate. This week, he's the way. Again, it's about a relationship. See, when you stop trusting in yourself and you start trusting in Jesus, you're going way number two. Way number two. You're turning away from foolishness and folly and from being greedy for unjust gain. You're turning into the way. You're walking with Jesus now. You're in with him. Fully accepted because of his work on the cross. New life because he conquered the grave. You're in his presence with with a holy and, and reverent awe and desiring now to walk in his ways. And as you do, he begins to beautify your life. He begins giving you wisdom that you didn't have before, guiding you in the Father's ways. And underneath all that, at the root of all that, is a, is a satisfaction. It's a satisfaction so deep, so solid and permanent, you know, you know in him you have everything you truly need. And so you're satisfied, which gives you a, a carefree concern about possessions. And an identity so secure in Christ that you're not scurrying around trying to define yourself or prove yourself to others, knowing your love, trusting that you're accepted, Trusted that, you, that you've got value and purpose. Free from needing to get ahead by unhealthy means. Free from seeking after something or someone or some experience that isn't yours. You're content with little or much. Able to enjoy the life and the lot that God has given you here under the sun because you have him. He satisfies And because he satisfies, you're satisfied. You're able to resist the sinner's enticement, not merely because it's wrong, but because you're already satisfied. This is the beauty of wisdom. It's a garland for your head and a pendant for your neck. Get it. And if you've already got it, get it some more. Tend it. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now by your spirit who lives in us to be satisfied in Jesus? We were created with longings and desires, good ones put there by you that we skew and take off course. Would you help us to find the full satisfaction of those longings and desires in Christ? Perhaps for the first time today by trusting in him but also moment by moment in our lives as those following after him along the way. Father, help us also to be careful to to hear and to heed the warning and counsel of wisdom here in this text, to, to not forsake your teaching. Help us to internalize this in a way that continues to grow us in being wise. You're not asking us here to to hide out to hide out from the temptations of the world, to remove ourselves from it in some way. We're not, you're not merely after protection, but preparation. 
My prayer is that we as your people would be so united to Christ, so satisfied in him that we would know and trust already we're not of this world and therefore we're actually able to live in it. Help us to hear the wisdom of your collective word that doesn't say hunker down and try really, really hard to avoid the world and its enticing temptations, but instead to be satisfied in Jesus and careful. Lastly, Father, would you help us steep ourselves in your wisdom and surround ourselves with wisdom? Steep ourselves in your word and grow wise by your spirit, but then also surround ourselves with other godly, Christ-honoring, Bible-loving friends and parents and gospel community members who are seeking to live life satisfied in Jesus, beautified by Jesus, so secure even, knowing that they have everything they really need in him, that they're willing to risk losing even us if we start down a foolish direction. Freeing them to speak lovingly, gently, but truthfully, wisdom into our lives. Lord, help us each grow in being able to receive that and to do it for others as we walk with one another and walk with Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.